listening to First Church Charlotte. Bless you, Lord God. We magnify you today. Amen. God bless you as you return to your seats. It's such a, a privilege to be in the house of the Lord with all of you. Uh, I hope your holiday holiday festivities have been glorious and I hope that like me you can barely fit in the suit that you are wearing but hopefully you will stay in the suit that you are wearing because it would be awkward if you like plopped out of it or something like that so um Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. So I got two I got two testimonies to give you. The first testimony is uh testimony with Brother Logsdon, who has been very, very sick, uh, respiratory. They actually, if I understand correctly, they actually found some nodule-like somethings in his lung, and that immediately scared them quite a lot, and they thought it was the worst possible diagnosis, and they had to biopsy that, and so his family has been praying. Our church prayer team has been praying, our pastoral staff, uh, just because of that that quite fearful uh, possibility, and so they biopsied him recently, and he got a clean bill of health. There's no disease. There's no cancer. Those nodule things are not cancerous. It's a, it is, I'm so thankful for the Lord to keep his people and protect us. How, how, how many of you need protection in your life right now? Second, second uh, testimony, last Sunday at the end of the service, um, I added on that prayer request at the end of the service for the people who felt like they were in a crisis, living in a crisis, and they needed a breakthrough because of that crisis they, they were in. Well, uh, I knew that that morning that uh, Sister Mary and her husband came down. They stood right here. We prayed for them. I did not realize um, all of the details involved, but uh, they had rather severe water damage in their home in June and uh, the insurance company would not the people came and got all their furniture and then started fighting with the insurance company and they have had no place to go they've lived in this house with with if I understand correctly I don't know all the details so there's mold in it and the insurance company was not paying for anything the people who had taken all of their furniture kept the furniture as collateral so they'd be paid and they've been stuck for months like this and she said I thought I was just uh, I was at the end I, I thought I was just breaking and so when you had that prayer request I came down and they came down and we prayed for them after that she said, I, I felt that day, this past Sunday, that something had happened. There was a change. This week, all the funds were released. And so we now have money to get a place to stay. She said it wasn't supposed to happen. They were supposed to be in court fighting about this. And uh, they just, they, it broke through, and it was like a log jam. They just broke through. The funds have been released. Their house is getting repaired. They're getting their furniture back. I'm so thankful for the keeping of the Lord in our lives. Amen, First Church. Two prayer requests for today. I get excited with prayer requests because I'm looking for miracles for next Sunday. So we're going to have some prayer requests right now. Um, we have a kind of a interesting kind of health theme going on right now. There's a lot of pneumonia going around. Sister Violet has been in the hospital with pneumonia. Uh, her family's been praying for her. She did better and now she's kind of had a setback. We're going to be praying for her uh, to come out of that sick bed, get off that ventilator. Uh, also, Sister uh, Terry James' mother, Doris, uh, was admitted to the hospital. Same situation, pneumonia. Um, and 
I, you know, I want to pray against pneumonia. I want to speak against this mountain right now. And I want to be specific because we're looking for testimonies. If you're not specific, then you're like, well, God did something good. You're like, duh, you know. Yeah, he does something good. He's good all the time. I want some specific testimonies. How many of you know somebody with a severe respiratory infection, a pneumonia? Raise your hand right now. I know it won't be a ton of people, but that's more than I would have expected right there. You know someone like that right now. Join your faith to mine right now. I speak against pneumonia. I speak against the infection. I don't do it as myself. I'm, 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 I haven't power to do that. But I want to invoke the name of Jesus. I want to speak to the mountain of sickness and illness. And I want to speak the name of Jesus. And I want to say be healed. Not simply for the relief of our suffering. That's good and grand. But we also want the work for the glorification of your name in the earth. So that men everywhere and women everywhere might see the goodness of God and be drawn to you that their heart might be changed and restored in your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. All right, starting next Sunday, first steps. We start back for the, for the first of the year. January 4th will be, uh, or 5th is the first Sunday. And so uh, first steps will be starting back. If, you ha- if you've been coming to our church for a little while, or perhaps this is your first time and you'd like to know more about it, this is a small group that I teach, and it is right after the 11 o'clock service next door, we serve you lunch. We kind of, sometimes we follow the script, sometimes it's ask me anything, really. Sometimes we don't follow the script at all. Sometimes it is... uh, Uh, particularly in classes that are smaller. Sometimes we will just move right into uh, talking with someone about their next spiritual step, the deliverance they need. And so I want to invite any of you, if you have questions about First Church, if you haven't been through First Steps, really the path to connection, uh, the path to understanding our church whys, why we do this, why we do that, uh, is through First Steps. So that'll be starting next Sunday. I would love to host you in that. I am preaching today from this subject, Waypoints, Waypoints. You probably traveled over the holidays, and if you did, if you used a GPS, that GPS lays out a path for you that is a series of computer-generated waypoints, and it tracks you and updates the map as you go. This isn't just a issue of uh, computer-aided navigation. There is a spiritual truth in this also of how we progress in God. It is my desire as a pastor, my desire as a minister to see each one of you take the next step of spiritual prosperity, spiritual purpose in your life. I deeply believe this is what God has for you. It doesn't matter so much where you wish you were or where I as a minister wish you were. There's only one thing that matters and that's where you are and what your next step is because progressing in God, progressing in faith often feels like a series of spiritual waypoints. First this, then that. From here to there. Waypoint, waypoint, waypoint. It's a Jacob's ladder of spiritual elevation where you take one step at a time. Doesn't matter if you wish you were at the next step or the step number 10 say all that matters is the next step that is in front of you we are committed to this uh, here at our church um, as a pastoral team and almost every meeting we have 
We emphasize the need to our leaders, our teachers, our small group uh, leaders, our pastoral team of helping people identify and encouraging them to make what is their next spiritual step. So this is my uh, formal appeal to you on the, on the eve, so to speak, of 2020. Uh, what matters for you is not whether or not someday you'll be a prophet. I hope you are. Paul said that would be a cool thing. What matters is what is your next spiritual step? What is your next spiritual waypoint. Now, we most of us have been doing a bunch of traveling here recently. We Most of us travel for the holidays. I had a friend who was going to drive eight hours uh, a couple days before Christmas to go to a tourist spot. It was supposed to be an eight-hour drive, and so he took his family and he left. It took him 16 hours to make an eight-hour drive because traffic was bumper to bumper. During holidays, we have these crazy uh, travel stories. I, I heard a joke, which you know me, I love to tell you a joke. So I'm going to tell you a joke. I'm kind of in the mood. You haven't really overcome all the overeating you've done yet on the holidays. So you can only take so much spirituality at a time. All right. So I'm going to give you a joke to kind of encourage you and help you digest all that food you had. So uh, a little guy's traveling and he's a nervous traveler. He gets airsick and he's getting on the plane just like we do, you know, oh God, who's going to sit beside me, you know, and I can, I can, I can call him out. I can, I'll be sitting there. I'll see the worst possible person to sit beside me. I'll be like, oh, here they come. I know, I know they're coming. I just go ahead, sit down. I know. Anyway, so he was nervous about this and uh, he saw this big biker guy, chains and tats and hair everywhere and just a great big burly angry guy scowl on his face like he's going to whoop somebody and come down the aisle and this this little guy said man I know he's going to sit right by me sure enough the guy sat down right beside him and he uh, little guy said to him how you doing sir Uh, biker said nothing he waited a minute and he said it seems like a pleasant day biker just looked at him and said he sort of straightened up and didn't say anything I'll just sit right here well sure enough the plane takes off he gets very airsick he needs to go to the restroom because he thinks he's going to hurl you know and uh, he doesn't want to do it you know there and uh, so he's trying to get his nerve up to, to wake up the biker who's just asleep and you, you can imagine the social awkwardness of this and finally he gets his nerves up and he goes to speak to the guy but he's misjudged it and when he goes to speak instead of speaking he just throws up all over the guy <laughs> just hurls all over the guy. The guy's snoring asleep. He freezes. He's terrified. All he can see is images of himself being thrown out a very small window and falling a very long way. And he's thinking there, what should I do? Should I, 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 should I apologize? That sounds like I'm going to get killed. I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. At that moment, the biker wakes up and says, what is this? And the little guy says, are you feeling better now? <laughs> All right, that's your travel joke. All right, moving along in a spiritual manner. So waypoints is the is 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 this progression this progression of a journey. There is in all of our lives there is an invitation to the realm of God, which is different than the realm of your career, which is different than your hobbies, different than your distractions. Uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven is, is a divine invitation to you to manifest the values of heaven, the call of God, to demonstrate the anointing, the blessings that God has invested in you in your world. You guys have heard me say this a lot. This is kind of a theme that I, I touch upon a lot. They, uh, people say that all preachers have a theme. Well, this is probably my theme. God would like 
like to take you and make a difference in your world. God would like to motivate you to be his man, his woman in your particular uh, lifestyle context. I believe the greatest opportunity any of us have is is not simply salvation. That's the gift of God. We, We don't really have a whole lot to do with that. That is God's accomplishment for us. What we are invited to is to be an adopted son, an adopted daughter, to live by the callings, the values, the purposes of another kingdom. Can I have an amen, somebody? And so uh, we are invited to manifest the kingdom of heaven here on earth and to demonstrate the power of the name and glorify God and encourage our brother and and disciple sincere people who are following in, in the way. Now, There is a story in the Bible that gives us this complete, it's almost like a package story that shows you with detail the whole story of an individual's progression from who they were to who they are in God. Now, there's a lot of Bible stories in the Bible where... We, we know part of the story, but we don't know what's happening when. We might know where they are, like, say, Moses in the wilderness. By the way, as you know, these notes are available for you on the website, so you can follow along if you want to download them. Uh, we know Moses is here in the wilderness, but it's 40 years. We don't know many details, but there's a few people in the Bible where we see the span of their life, and uh, I think one of the best teaching stories in the Bible of how we are uh, called, how we are directed, how we are empowered, and then finally how we are sent out to do a work. One of the best stories is the story of Elijah, the prophet, and his spiritual apprentice, Elisha, who is called to follow him. So uh, the story starts in 1 Kings and and Elisha is plowing in the field. And the Bible says he's plowing with 12 oxen. And the prophet comes by, Elijah. And he takes his mantle and he throws it over his shoulders. No words are exchanged. Uh, if they are, we have no record of them. It almost seems as though he simply, through a symbolic gesture, throws the mantle over young Elisha. And Elisha knows because there is significance in the mantle. In this particular time, this particular spiritual moment, there is in in, uh, the house of Israel a, a symbol, a cultural symbol of the role of a prophet, and that is the wearing of a distinctive mantle. Now, a mantle serves uh, as a mattress, it serves as a blanket, it serves as protection against the weather. Prophets would not have um, uh, possessions in the manner of other people. They would very much live a life that was completely dedicated to the Lord, and they would wear the mantle as a symbol that I am wrapped in God's authority. I am kept warm by God's authority. I am protected from the weather by God's authority. I am holy of God. I am dedicated. I am a prophet. And to that time, this mantle served as a symbolic, demonstrable evidence of a holy, in other words, Total dedication to God. I am wholly committed to God. I am not of this world. I am of God. And so when Elijah meets Elisha in the field and he throws this mantle over him, Elisha knows he's being called and the spiritual opportunity in his life is shifting. 
This is now a new day. It is as though a new door has been opened to him. I pray that all of us have times and seasons of our life when we recognize God has opened a door of spiritual, of a spiritual nature to us. And at that moment, we must decide, do we follow, do we respond, or do we stay with what we know? I want to point out that the fact that Elisha is plowing with 12 oxen shows his elite nature. Um, It's hard enough to plow with two oxen, and here he is plowing with 12. It was a remarkable accomplishment that was took more than skill. Uh, it doesn't matter how skillful uh, or, or, or took, I should say it this way, it took more than strength. Um, no matter how strong you are, you can't compete with an oxen. If you don't believe me, I encourage you to try. I'll never forget one time I had a friend of mine who was a professional, uh, when, this is when I was younger and evangelizing, and I knew him through evangelizing. He was a professional rodeo uh, cowboy. He roped in those uh, roping competitions, and he had these gorgeous horses that he had one, he was a big guy, he had one horse that was 18 hands high, and he asked me to help him kind of take care of the horse a little bit, and all I had to do was hold the rope. That's all I had to do. And um, he was trying to trim all the whiskers around his nose. And so the way they do that is they get the, the, uh, this tool and they get the, noses, they get the, no, the hor- nose of the horse trapped in this thing. And when they lock down on it, that horse won't move because it hurts to move. If he stays still, it's numb. If he fights, it hurts. And so they clamp that down on his nose. And I tried this with my wife, guys. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> I tried it. I, I got hit so fast. It was like Muhammad Ali. I turned the lights off and I'm in bed before it's dark. Anyway, so I uh, put that horse's nose, clamped it down, and I'm holding the horse's rope. Well, he didn't get it right, and the horse started to move back, and I dug my heels in all. At then, I was about 185 pounds. Now, I'm 100 none of your business pounds. And um, I'm holding on to that rope. Like 200 none of your business pounds. <laughs> got to tell the truth in your preaching. You can lie the rest of the time, just so you know. And so I'm holding that rope. I'm holding that rope. And he's trying to, and he stops and looks at me. He says, what are you doing? I said, well, you asked me to help you. I'm holding the horse. He just belly laughed. He said, you can't hold the horse. And I'm like, well, what are you have me doing here? Watching? <laughs> He said, if you try to hold that horse, he is going to take all the skin off your hands because you can't hold that horse. I don't care how strong you are. You can't plow with 12 oxen. It's like dancing with the gorilla. You stop when the gorilla wants to take a break. You don't stop until. And so he was a man of skill, also a man of strength, a man of competence. And now a whole change has come to him. I'd like to point out that if you're waiting for a spiritual opportunity in your life, don't sit under a tree. Take your skills, your abilities, and do everything you can until that door opens. What do you do while you're waiting on what's next? I'll tell you what you do. You plow with 12 head of oxen. Oh, y'all ain't going to, y'all don't want to preach with me today? I'm going to have to preach longer. Don't wait for God to do the work for you. While you're waiting on what's next, do the best with what you can do. That's right, young people. Finish your degree. Start a career. Build a business. Plow with 12 head until the day God brings a change.
And now you can move with God. So the cloak is thrown upon, not the cloak, but the mantle is thrown upon him. And he knows this is a day of change in his life. And he will begin seven years of apprenticeship. Seven is a a number, uh, uh, meaning completion in the scripture. And it is is filled with significance. And seven years uh, he has another opportunity. His first opportunity was signified by the covering of a mantle. His second opportunity will be defined by the giving of a mantle. Do you see that sequence? The first is a call. The second is a ministry. They're not the same thing. The world is full of people with calls on their life who are doing nothing with it. Man, I might end up preaching here today if I get carried away. The call is not the ministry. And I, I, I so often talk with people who are under conviction, and they, they can point back to a day when there was a, they were a, there was a call upon them, but they're not doing a whole lot with that call. Uh, Elisha has gone into a spiritual apprenticeship seven years, and he now has more than an opportunity to have a call upon his life. He is now not going to be covered with a cloak. He's going to be given a cloak. And so uh, you can see in his life this progression, this seven years of service, the call, the seven years of service, seven years of spiritual apprenticeship, growing, becoming, learning. And now uh, you read in 2 Kings chapter uh, number number. 2 verse number 1 came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal this is the first waypoint on a journey of spiritual significance each one of these waypoints in the journey will teach us something we desperately need to know and I'm praying today that within your heart is a desire to be used of God I'm praying that within your heart is a desire to see the gospel flow through you and your healing and, and, and the miraculous to flow through you to make a difference in the world God has invested you in and placed you in it's time for Elijah's day to end and Elisha's day to begin and Elisha they're starting at Gilgal now I want to uh, point out that this place this waypoint called Gilgal the name of which comes from a Hebrew root which means the beginning point of commitment the beginning point of commitment where are they at they're at Gilgal this is the beginning point of, of commitment. All of us, if we're going to progress in the call of God that is upon our life, we're going to have to begin with a commitment. I wish I could tell you that you could just kind of live life for yourself, uh, spend your week uh, pursuing your own desires, your own wishes, your own wants, and then uh, that be enough for you to represent what is spiritually possible to a world that is uh, very much distracted by its own desires and lusts. But I, I would be lying if I did that, if I told you that it would take no commitment. Because if you want to be used of God, you're going to have to find a beginning point of commitment. You're going to have to make a decision that from this day forward, I am going to. From this day forward, I will no longer do that, but I will choose to do this. I want you to see what Elijah says to Elisha at Gilgal. Somebody say at Gilgal. He says this to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. This, I think, is the most profound image of the invitational nature of the kingdom of God that you will find in the Old Testament. Um, I, uh, this means a lot to me. I've spent a lot of personal time studying and living with this, this trying to understand this invitational nature to the kingdom of God. And uh, I, I, I obsessed over it for several years. I wrote a book about 
about it, uh, the book that I wrote called Influence. It's all about this subject of the invitational nature of the kingdom of God. And here you'll see it. They're at a beginning point of commitment. See the symbol. See the idea that is being expressed. And Elisha says to, uh, Elijah says to Elisha, look, the Lord has sent me on from Gilgal. Now, you don't have to go. You can stay here if you would, if you would like. Uh, but I'm go- I've got to go to Bethel. All of you, all of us, literally vote with our spiritual feet, so to speak. Because the next step for you is not something God is driving you toward. It's just something he is calling you toward. He's not the good cowboy. He's the good shepherd. Cowboys drive cattle, but shepherds lead sheep. There is this invitation to you, this open door of opportunity. I'm not going to talk you into it, Elisha. If you want to be content with the beginning commitment to God, and that's enough for you, that's all you wish for, then you can stay here. But the Lord is sending me on to Bethel. Now, so they go to Bethel because Elisha will not be denied. And he says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they go to Bethel. You get to Bethel. Bethel is literally Hebrew for the house of God. And beyond commitment is connection to the body of Christ, the working out of the kingdom of heaven here in the realm of men. This is the image of uh, people who have come together for the manifestation of the kingdom of God. This is at Bethel. Uh, they're not alone at Bethel. Bethel is where the sons of the prophets are. Do you, see the, do you see the symbolism that is here? And the sons of the prophet come to Elisha and they say, look, you know, uh, we, we've been moving in the spirit and, and we have been feeling that it's about Elijah's time to go. And, and Elisha's like, yeah, would you hush already? I'm trying to focus here. Read it, read it, it's in your notes. Um, uh, just, uh, just, just leave me, just stop talking so much and I'm focused on what is next. You see, the house of God is the next step beyond commitment and I, I want to show you the house of God as more than salvation but as the acting out of God's purposes and kingdom here on earth. This is your attachment to serving. This is your attachment to the testimony you have. This is you volunteering. This is you pouring out your soul to other that's all in the house of God well let me ask you this question and I this is this is the little devotional I gave to our our, our worship team this morning before we, we they all started practicing and why did any of us get up and come to church this morning isn't God omnipresent isn't he everywhere the correct answer is yes that's an open book test yes the Lord is everywhere um, why didn't we just stay home I, my my bed was much more comfortable than this pulpit I, I this platform I just want you to know it was so comfortable. It was like angels were fanning me this morning. And the rain was saying, go to sleep, my baby. It was, it was, it was so, why would I get out of that warm bed? Well, I did because I'm the preacher, you know. Anyway, no, I'm just having fun. <laughs> why would we get out of, why didn't we just stay home and watch our favorite preacher on YouTube? Now, I like to think I'm your favorite preacher, but I know I'm smoking crack. I know I am not your favorite favorite preacher. I just hope to be in the top five. If you'll give me top five, that'll be good enough for me. Why would any of us come here? Isn't, isn't, isn't God everywhere? Look, the body of Christ is not about 
the omnipresence of God. You can experience that laid up in the bed. You can experience that watching an internet preacher, okay? It is not even about the abiding presence of the God. That is the, the infilling of the Spirit. That is his tabernacling, so to speak, in the tent of your flesh. This is the, the Holy Spirit that is given as a comforter and a teacher. So church is not about the omnipresence of God. It's not necessarily it's all of these things, yes, but stick with me, about the abiding presence of God. Church is about the manifest presence of God. Church is about the manifest presence of God. What are we talking about? Jesus, Matthew 18, it's not in your notes, but I think this is right. Matthew 18, Jesus says this. He says, um, uh, look, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Somebody say, I like the way that sounds. Whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. I bind that sucker. You know exactly what I'm talking about, Lord. No, moving along in a spiritual manner. <laughs> I, I, um, it's going to be bound. And what's the very next verse? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. This is the manifest presence of God. You don't get the manifest presence of God without fellowship. You don't get that without coming together. You don't get that in the same manner that we're referring to that you can get when you come together in the church house. So beyond commitment, beyond I'm a Christian, beyond I repent of my sins, beyond I take on his name and spiritual adoption, beyond I'm filled with his spirit is connection to the body where you're able to work in the kingdom of God. Can I have a big amen in the church? All right, when we come together, we should seek, desire, and celebrate the manifest presence of God. That's why we lay hands on the sick. We're seeking the demonstration of the glory of God among us. This is why we sing together. This is why we have a full-time guy to preach and holler at us. Why? That we might come together and be stronger because it's two or three gathered in his name. That's why we come to church. And so, Lord Jesus, I'm praying that 2020... This year to come would be the greatest year of the manifest presence of God in this church that we have ever known. Let there be the glory that gives your name exaltation. Let there be the miraculous that gives your kingdom exaltation. And somebody say in Jesus' name. So we've gone from Gilgal, place of beginning commitment, to Bethel, the house of God. And from Bethel they go to Jericho. Now, again, note the invitational nature of the kingdom of God. Uh, the Lord, Elijah says, um, look, stay here, I pray you, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And Elisha says, look, as the Lord lives, as my soul lives, uh, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Jericho means a place of fragrance. But it's more than a place of fragrance. It's also a famous battlefield in the history of the covenant people. And so here you see in this place of Jericho, a place of fragrance associated with the battlefield. And this is a teaching example of our fight, our spiritual fight for the presence of God in our life. My nature wars against the presence of God. Therefore, it must be brought under subjection. Can I have a big amen? My flesh wars against the presence of God. I am blind to it in my flesh. I must 
fight to have the presence of God in my life. I must turn away from the flesh. I must turn away from the habits. I must turn away from the sins. I must pursue the presence of God in this place of fragrance. And fragrance in the scripture becomes a type of the presence of God. And interestingly, fragrance always comes from crushing. It is a place of crushing. Uh, when Mary in John chapter number 12, she takes a pound of spikenard and anoints Jesus' feet, uh, it was made, it was about a pound, it was made of half a million crushed spikes from an East Indian plant. And you have to take a half a million thorns from this plant and you have to crush it and take the tiniest extrusion of fragrance and if you do a half a million of them one at a time or as many as you can crush at a time you will get a pound of uh, spike nerd and this will cost about a year's wages in this particular time so by our standards somewhere between thirty five and fifty thousand dollars for one pound but Mary takes that life savings of hers and she anoints Jesus and the fragrance Fragrance comes from the thing that is precious being crushed. So it is in our lives. As we, as we crush this flesh through the disciplines of spiritual pursuit, through prayer, through fasting, through the pursuit of God, through the uh, curating of our lives, the spiritual curation of our lives. More of this, less of that. Do you guys hear what I just said? Spiritual curation of our lives. More of this, less of that. As you do that, you you invite the presence, the manifest presence of God to be distributed and, 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 and to descend into your life, I should say. And so it is that you see waypoints. First is Gilgal, place of beginning commitment. Then is Bethel. This is the house of God. Then comes uh, Jericho, the place of pr- fragrance where we actually get to know God and we experience his presence. Another beautiful image of this is in the story of Jacob who first at Bethel he has the dream of the ladder between heaven and earth and angels descending and ascending and he wakes up and he says surely this uh, the, the Lord is here and I knew it not and he named the place Bethel the house of God that's one thing that's good uh, but when he goes further into his exile and he suffers and he grows and he becomes when he returns back he goes to the same place but he changes the name of it from Bethel the house of God to El Bethel, God of the house of God. Do you see the progression? One is the house of God connection. The other is the God of the house of God presence. Finally, they are going to go to this last place. Elijah says to him, Terry, I pray thee, stay here for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And Elisha says, as the Lord lives. And as my soul lives, I will not leave you. And so for the first time, uh, the Bible says, they too went on. So I want you to see something here. Jordan is a river that descends from the mountains of Lebanon. They're pretty high mountains. They're higher than any of the mountains we have here on the East Coast. We often forget that. There's actually ski resorts in northern Israel, which isn't the highest of those mountains. It, at least I don't think it is. I think it's, it's, it may be, uh, but it's high mountains. This river descends from those mountains and 
comes down through the land and flows all the way, bringing life to a desert land. And so Jordan in the Hebrew means descender, descender. And it is here at Jordan, the place of the descent, where the fiery chariot will take Elijah up. And Elisha will look heavenward and wonder if he just has a call or if he has a ministry. And coming down from the fiery chariot is the same mantle that covered him with calling. It's now going to cover him with authority because he at one time had been given a destination. Now he's been given a mission. All of these places, Jordan, the descending, the actual giving of the anointing, the connection between heaven and earth, all of this shows waypoints on a spiritual journey. And so you have Gilgal, a place of beginning. From there you have um, Bethel, the house of God. From there you have Jericho, a place of fragrance. And finally, you have Jordan, the descender, and the anointing comes upon him. He walks quickly, and I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. He walks quickly over, and he picks up that cloak, that mantle of anointing. And knowing perhaps not what else to do with it, he walks to the Jordan River that has become spiritually significant, and he takes that cloak, that mantle, and he smites the water. And he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And in that moment, you see connection between heaven and earth. You see the dynamic, spiritual, miraculous moment. The water is divided for the sake of Elisha's knowledge that he is no longer in preparation, but now he is in mission. He is no longer in training, but now he is in purpose. He has finally become who God always said he could be. I want all of us, including me, for me to every one of you, we need to become who God always said we could be. Can I have a big amen? We must become who God always said we could be. Your place is not going to look like mine because you have a different personality. You need to find a way to be powerful for God in your personality. You don't need to copy me. You need to find your words for sharing the gospel with somebody. You need to find your words to boldly say, can I pray with you on this? You need to find your words for saying, would it be all right if we prayed right now? You need to find your words for saying, I believe God in this moment has touched you. And I hope that when you get this miraculous promise that's given to you, that you tell me about it because I want to tell my church about it you become literally that descender the, the, the channel the ladder all these images connecting the kingdom of heaven with the world in which God has placed you because you're God's plan to make a difference in your world initial commitment house of God presence of God, place of fragrance. Finally, the descending of the anointing upon you. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for every life here today. God, don't let us be content to just have a form of godliness. Don't let us be content to just say, oh, well, I do this and I do that and that's enough for me. But help us, Lord Jesus, to respond to the the invitation of the kingdom of God to take that step forward. Refuse to settle for what has been, what we've experienced, but to keep that hunger for the dynamic moving of God among us. To keep that hunger that says, you're not going to keep me from Bethel. You're not going to keep me from Jericho. You're not going to keep me from 
Jordan. If you're going, I am going. Lord Jesus, let this house become the place where people can not simply have a call, but they can become what you would have them to be. And out of this house flows this spiritual opportunity that we are so rich with, that we have such an investment of heaven upon our lives with what we can do for you, what we can be through you. Let it happen right now in this church, in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me all across the house? I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. I, I know some of you don't know what to do with this because you're like, ah, you're preaching to me. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.